0: Let's let's have a let's have a moment of prayer. Thank you, worship team, uh, for that. So, Lord, um, we come before you uh, this morning as a as a family of believers, followers of your Son. Um, we recognize your presence in our midst by your Holy Spirit. Um, we we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in your activity. We open ourselves uh, to you, asking that you give us ears to hear and desire and passion for what is good and right. Um, thank you that you've let us in on that and you're making all things new, um, including the brokenness of our own lives. And so we, we have hope this morning. Uh, because of that, thank you for the words of Jesus that we will look at again this morning that, um, that give us direction and, uh, you know, really guidance on how to participate um, with you now and forever. And, and so we uh, offer these prayers to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's good to see all of you. We are in the 10th week of our series on Seeking Him. It's been quite a journey, and uh, there, are, there are different points um, in the series where we're both, um, we're, all, we're both humbled and sort of like shaken, I think. Like, I mean, when we, when we think about last week, um, the, the topic that we had on sexual purity, um, it's one that humbles us all. Um, and then there are points. There are points in this series where we're where we are really uplifted, where we're given grace and strength. And as uh, Pastor Trevor mentioned, um, just this reminder that we're not in this by ourselves. And so this is one of those weeks. Um, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and His power this week. Um, just incredible. I mean, I just driving here and here praying. My family was praying, you know, for me, and I was just sitting here thinking, why do I get to talk? I mean, this, why am I, I? I really don't feel worthy for some of these topics, honestly. Um, and certainly when we talk about God, the Holy Spirit, um, it's humbling, you know, to do that. Um, but it's also extremely encouraging if we lay hold of uh, what Jesus has in mind for us, you know, in this. Um, so help us God, right, as we do, as we do this and as we, as, we, uh, as we jump in, you know, here this morning. Now, the Christian faith is amazing. I mean, the more we the more get to study it and to, to look at God's revelation to us, um, it's very unique among all the other religions, um, and we've, we've dealt with here the Trinity. Uh, God as three persons, yet one um, before. But I just want to remind you, as we jump into the Holy, a topic on the Holy Spirit, we're, we're tapping into some of that wisdom that's just, it's mysterious, it's mind-blowing. But, you know, God is over us as the creator. He is with us in, in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, you know, who came to be among us. Um, and then, incredibly, he is in us, God in us, by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. And, and to whatever degree that this is true, which we believe it is with all of our hearts, um, th- the degree to which we lay a hold of it, it changes everything, you know, about our lives. Literally everything as we, as we learn to participate with it. So let's look at the words of Jesus here from John 7. <sighs> he stood in the middle of the temple and cried out, actually, this statement. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart, some translations from his very belly, so from the, from the very core of his being, rivers of living water will flow. And when he said this, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. That would be you and me, right? As we put our trust in him, that literally rivers of living water will flow continually from our hearts. One of my favorite passages, one of my favorite statements of Jesus, so full of power and promise and hope that literally we could become conduits of, of rivers of life that would flow from the very core of our being both now and forever. Okay? And so I want to talk about the Holy Spirit using this text, using this metaphor of a river, um, and make, it, make it a couple of observations for us. Um, the first is this. The Holy Spirit is a river of life and power in you. The Holy Spirit is a river of life and power in you. Now, in the New Testament, or actually in the Scriptures itself, this metaphor of water for the Holy Spirit, and particularly rivers, runs from beginning to end. In fact, over 150 times, the Scripture makes reference to the power of the Holy Spirit as a river. Now, if you lived, and we live in lush Michigan, but if you lived... In an arid place like Israel, where it's essentially a desert punctuated by, you know, infrequent rain, water itself would be a metaphor to you, literally, of life. Um, And little pools of water would represent life to you. But rivers of water would be literally flowing with a metaphor of grace and life, because where the rivers flow... Life flourishes, right? In all of its forms. We know that from even the little gardening we do still in our society that, that absolutely essential to life is water. And where there is no water, where there is barrenness and dryness, parchedness, what happens to life? It dies. So literally Jesus is drawing powerfully on this metaphor, using it as a comparison to life in the spirit to say that there is a river, there is a flowing source, a stream of life available to any kind of person who puts their faith in him that would take up residence in the very core of our being. And, and like the rivers give life to everything else and, and, and grace flows from it, the source of life to us would be a river of grace, literally in us, available 24-7. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a river of life and power. Secondly, this. The source of that river of grace is not ourselves. It's not ourselves. It actually comes from God. So think of a river. The water that's flowing in a river originates upstream. And in the same way, the river of grace, this river of life in the core of us, is not self-generated. Now, it sort of seems like basic in review. However, sometimes it's easier for easier for us to grasp in our tradition the need for grace at the very beginning of the journey. So we we all repeat and frequently rehearse in the gospel. The fact that we cannot save ourselves, that we needed something beyond ourselves, that the whole point of God's redemption, him sending Christ, Jesus Christ in the flesh, was to do for ourselves what we could not possibly do on our own. And so we come humbly when we begin the spiritual journey to God for undeserved grace, right? We, we confess our need for him. And the fact that there's nothing on our own merit or effort that could ever gap the fundamental need that we have and so we come like this and god gives us grace and he gives us salvation and then subconsciously after having drank from the river of grace isn't it so easy to begin to feel like the rest of a, the rest of the christian journey is sort of up to us and so we replace trusting for trying And what Jesus is trying to tell us in this passage here is not only this incredible message of hope that there is a river of living water that can flow from the very core of us that comes from him, but that literally disconnected or out of the current, out of the flow of the Holy Spirit, there is no life. There is no source of power that this is a recipe for either self-righteousness where we reduce the Christian life um, to a set of rules that we can sort of obsess over, and compare ourselves with one another about. You know, that would be the one error in, in like a self-righteousness, a judgmentalism towards others. Or we have, to, we have to hide the continual failings of our life because we can't seem to find the source of power to actually help us overcome, and we feel so ashamed of that because, we, again, we think this is a self-reform project. And so we think, well, we must be doing very poorly all the time. And so shame and guilt and all these things shove us into hiding where we pretend or sometimes despair. Okay? This is the two options apart from the river of life. And Jesus is saying, no, my intention for you actually is to live from the source, from the river. And that, that source, that source is not you. It's also teaching us that there is no other source of satisfaction apart from this liver, living water of life. So, culture and people and all these things will point to so many different self help projects as means of giving us life. And Jesus is reminding us no, there is a river. It can flow in the very core of you, but it actually comes from God. He is the source of all this power and goodness and um, life. Okay? Third observation, the flow of the spirit gives you power to become who God created you to be. Now, I love this. My wife, from the very beginning with our children, was constantly talking to us about the fact that God knows what's best for us. And that all of his activity in our life is actually intended for good. It's to help us to become who He created us to be. That the vision of God's glory—we'll talk about this in a second—but we we talk about that already this morning. That He He exists to glorify Himself. But the way that His glo- the way that He is most glorified is the degree to which we are most satisfied in Him. It's a beautiful thing that God's glory runs on parallel tracks with our best, with our with with goodness itself, and so. God is most glorified in us as we are most satisfied in him, as we become who actually he has in mind for us to be from the beginning. And God has this vision over your life of goodness and of beauty and of grace and of joy and of peace and all of these things that he intends to make possible for every ordinary kind of person. And so that God's best vision and intention for your life is for you to become all that he made you to be. And this is, again, echoed all through the scriptures. But I want to point us to Galatians 5, an incredible passage on the Holy Spirit. And I've just cherry-picked a few verses here. The whole chapter is worth reading. Um, Commend that to you later. Um, But listen listen to these texts. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And then this. the Holy Spirit Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I want to say to you in this that the Holy Spirit is guiding you and me as we follow his leadership to become the very best versions of, of ourselves now there was a scottish minister uh, named thomas chalmer who talked about the expulsive power of a new affection now you can tell he was from the 19th century right the expulsive power of a new affection but basically what this text is telling us in galatians 5 let the holy spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, is that the best way actually to fight sin and all the things that are low and base and destructive and diminishing in life is actually not by focusing on not doing those things. It's actually, it's actually being led in the path of beauty and goodness and rightness because as we move towards what is true and beautiful, guess what we're moving away from? all that is destructive and diminishing. And so many times the Christian life, when we lose sight of this God's vision over our lives, can become about not doing something. Let me tell you, that's actually a negative vision for life. The vision of God over us as the people of God is so much more than just simply not sinning or not doing things that are bad. It's actually being led into beauty, goodness, and truth which is the very character and essence of God, it's where the Holy Spirit is always headed. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, let the Holy Spirit actually so fill your life, so fill your vision, so occupy your moments of every day that as he's leading you towards what is good, you will find increasingly that the power of what is wrong and evil like is diminishing. And then to almost to punctuate this, he begins to describe, like this is an incredible text here. You know, Trevor was singing it at the beginning, but it's like love and joy and peace, like in patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all things so beautifully, like at the center of all our hopes. And yet this is where God is always headed because this is who he is. And so as we get to know him, as we get to love him, as we get, as we begin to follow him, to follow the promptings of his Holy Spirit, to live from this river of life, we find ourselves increasingly holy. Not because holiness was the object. It's because beauty was, and goodness was, and all the things that God was filling in our life, filling, or calling us into as we follow the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so, I'm going to take this a step further and just say this fourth observation. The Holy Spirit is actually guiding you and me to become the best version of ourselves. Yeah, so so incredibly good. Now, I had a, um, I had a religion teacher in college at Central Michigan, um, Buddhist professor. I wanted to study Eastern religion a little bit. So I took this class on Buddhism. Really liked the professor, okay? Um, when I first met him, uh, he felt to me to be very centered, to be very peaceful, um, and I was curious. I wasn't following Jesus um, at the time. And so, took his class, and I really liked it. I, not, this is not a criticism of him or anything about that. However, as I was in that class over weeks, um, I started to notice something about this man's Centeredness and his peace, um, and I learned. So as I was learning more about meditation and these kinds of things that he was teaching. Um, I realized that his hours and hours and hours of meditation, um, while it had given him like a serenity, a certain kind of serenity, had actually also numbed him out. So you know, again, part of the philosophy that he was you know teaching um, was how to sublimate, like actually to to tone down all of the human passions, right? So he was peaceful and centered and yet something about him felt a little distant and a little less alive. And I remember thinking even then, like it wasn't because it was the way of Jesus. I'm kind of thinking that's kind of creepy a little bit. Like, I'm not sure I want to, I'm not sure I want to go down this path where at the, you know, at the price, the price for peace actually is a diminishment of my passion. Okay. And I want to, I want to tell you that in the way of Jesus, Jesus himself was a blazing embodiment of life. He was a flowing, rushing river of goodness. In him, all beauty and truth came together with vibrancy and passion. He was fully alive. And when he asks you and me to follow him, he's not asking us to sublimate joy or passion. He's, ask, he's asking us to step into the fullness of it. Do you follow what I'm saying? That in Jesus is both peace and passion. There is no numbness in him. To follow Jesus, contrary to like many of the caricatures of God and what faith is, is not to miss out on all the fun. It is, to come, it is to come into the best version of all that is good and true and beautiful. It is to be fully human. The glory of God is best expressed in man fully alive. This is God's intention for you to become more, to become all, to become full in your humanity as it was originally intended to be. This is the vision of God over your life. And so I love some of these quotes. Church father, Irenaeus, like actually said it like this. Um, I have this in my office. (laughs) The The glory of God... Is man fully alive? And you remember when Jesus actually said, I've come to give you life and to give it to, to, give it to you what? Mm-hmm. Abundantly, to the full. So the vision of Jesus is to make you fully alive. The more intensely human and connected and passionate and fully alive that you are in the Holy Spirit, the more God is glorified. And then I have this phrase also from Soren Kierkegaard in my house. It's on the wall. Now with God's help, I shall become myself. And this is not some psychological statement about human self-fulfillment. This is the vision of God for you and me to become fully ourselves, uniquely who we are made to be to the full. This is God's vision over us because of the river of life by the Holy Spirit. And then I love this. um, um, By the way, I should stop here and say a lot of my thoughts um, for this talk were helped along by John Artberg, one of my favorite pastors. Um, in his book, the me I want to be, but anyways, I love his earthiness. With the Spirit, you become youier. Not awesome? God's vision of hope, and beauty over your life. Okay. Now, we're still talking about Jesus' words from John seven, that there's this river of living light, of water, river of living water that will flow from the very heart of anyone who believes in Him by the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so, let me make this fifth observation. Our job actually is not to produce fruit but rather to stay near the river. Um, for those of you who love to ground all, all kinds of thoughts in Scripture, I commend to you the amazing passage in Psalm 1, right? right at the very beginning of the Psalms that talks about this tree that's planted by a river of water and the, his leaf, the leaf never withers. It's giving fruit in season and out of season. Um, that doesn't even happen in in California, right? I mean, this is like, this tree is amazing because it's just like continually, it's continually producing fruit. And so again, this vision of God in the Old Testament as well as the New that Jesus just picked up on. But he's, he's trying to tell us that our job actually isn't to produce fruit. So think about the vine passage that Trevor like, gave us earlier. We don't, you know, trees don't produce fruit from their branches. The branches are the conduits of the life. Um, the same way with a river, right? The, the river flows 24-7. The the, the the people or the living things that benefit from it benefit from it by proximity. Okay? So our job is not to produce fruit, but rather to stay near the river. Okay, now and this is where this starts to become very practical for us about appropriating the flow of the Holy Spirit Um, In our lives. So I point you again to Galatians 5, again, the the other parallel attacks we're using. Um, Verse 25 would have been right after the ones we read earlier. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our our lives. Sometimes sometimes the scripture is so plain that you don't really need a preacher. Every word in this. For those of us who want want this vision of beauty over our lives to be true, so important. So let us follow the Spirit's leading. When? In every part of our lives. So not just on Sundays, right? Not just at our morning devotions or our night prayers, but when? In every moment of our lives. Kind of makes sense a little bit out of the pray without ceasing text. You think, well, how do people do that? Well, obviously you have to be able to work and pray. You have to be able to have a conversation with someone and be attentive. See, like, like we can actually do the more, more, than one thing, more, more than one thing at a time. If you really want to get tricky, try chewing gum at the same time, right? So now you're, now you're having a conversation, working, and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. In every moment of our lives. Okay, so the way this looks then is really a twofold rhythm. All of us need to learn the wisdom of living every part of our lives while we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and we avoid closing ourselves off to the Holy Spirit. So it's basically remaining open and not closing. Okay? the Holy Spirit in every moment of our lives. So you say, well, how do you do that? Well, basic skills of discipleship that we need to learn. The first, you know, these don't sound hard, but try this sometime. Like, we need to pay attention, right? We need to pay attention. Now, how many of you are good at paying attention? How many of you are ADD? Okay, like, you're right. So our culture is sort of ADD, right? So we're running 100 miles an hour all the time, Right? We're kind of starting with the assumption that we got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. If we don't take care of ourselves, nobody will. Like all these things, you've got a mastery orientation. Like this is what we're rewarded for. Uh, many good things about that. However, not very good for paying attention to the Holy Spirit. So if we want to start, if we want to start tapping into the river of life, the very first basic fundamental like, practice that we should be teaching and learning at the, very, at the very fundamental level of discipleship is, do you know how to pay attention? Do you have things that actually interrupt your non-attentiveness? Like sometimes you have to start there, right? Like I'm so habitually not paying attention that I've got to like start interrupting myself on purpose throughout the day so that I can remember who I'm supposed to be paying attention to. This sounds so basic, like I've talked about it elsewhere. Um, but again, we need to learn to pay attention because if we're not paying attention, guess who we won't be following? Okay, and if he's the river of life, everything flows from him. If his vision for us is the biggest thing on earth, it's the biggest opportunity going, like, we would pay attention. Secondly, we need to develop the skill and the practices of listening. Again, not, we're good at many things in our culture. Would you say that listening is one of them? Is it only me here? Like, in fact, listening as a part of prayer is almost like, I almost have nobody ever bring that up to me. Like, ever. But I'm, but I'm talking about the practices of stilling yourself, In other words, if there's a river of life at the very core of your being that you're supposed to be paying attention to in every part of your life, don't you think that listening, like asking the Holy Spirit questions, like expecting there to be interactivity with, with the Holy Spirit, like letting him impress you and lead you through the word and through thoughts and conversation would be part of this journey? Well, of course. So, Opening to the Holy Spirit means listening. And then we've talked about this elsewhere. Again, we'll return to it in other parts of our teaching here. But um, this is where classically the spiritual disciplines have come in. So, again, spiritual disciplines include prayer and Bible reading and, you know, gathering like we are this morning. But they are much more than that. Like, And we've talked about this here. But essentially a spiritual discipline, all it is, is something that I can do with my body that brings me before Jesus Of the Holy Spirit to be changed by Him, to be led by Him. That's all discipline is. It doesn't have any merit in themselves. You don't earn points for how much you pray or all those kinds of things. But it's a means of something I can do directly with my body that brings me before Jesus to be changed by Him. And these rhythms of grace are part of how we learn to open ourselves continually to the Holy Spirit. And if we ignore them, we're not going to be opening. See what I'm saying? They're all through the scriptures. Basic stuff that we need to learn and teach. Okay? Secondly, this. The, whole, the scriptures just tell us point blank. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't stifle him. So we're opening on the one hand, but then there are ways that we can just flat out close ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Okay? And you, know, you and I know a little bit about this. Probably a little bit more than the listening. Like literally when you're being prompted in your conscience like don't look at that don't say that or probably more practically you shouldn't have looked at that you shouldn't have spoken that way to your family like that that purchase that you're about to make you know is motivated out of something other than need right on and on like go talk to that person be loving Bless and don't curse. Like all these things are promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when we, when we steal ourselves and say, no, I'm gonna, I want that. I'm just going to do it. The Holy Spirit is not a bully. He's not there to push you around. He's not there to condemn you. We know that from other places in the scripture. He, he is there to participate with you. And he wants to be, your, he wants to be close. He wants, your, he wants your friendship. So if you're bullying through all these things, that's how we stifle the Holy Spirit. And literally, the Holy Spirit is a person. And can be grieved just like we can in our relationships. And so, part of the conversation that we maybe should ha- be having now, as we think about this, is Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Look, like, I'm holy. am so- really sp- sorry that there's this river, this river of living water that can be flowing in, the, in my, you know, right from my heart, and I've been damming it up, right? And I just, I just want to say, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to release all of your good intentions and all of your life and all of your power in me. Teach me to dance with you. Teach me the rhythm, you know, of grace. And I just have a few things up here. Uh, pride, neglect, disobedience, um, what John Artberg calls rags, resentment, anger, greed, and superiority. These are all things that we've sort of touched on in the Seeking Him series. Um, but again, these things stifle um, the Holy Spirit, okay? And then the last question here, how do we, how do we actually live then by the Spirit? How do we live by the Spirit? So I don't pretend to be the master on this, um, but when I was sitting there just thinking about it, I thought, Here, here's three or four things that might be helpful to you. So, so Dal, I'm charged up. I see this beautiful vision to become all that God created me to be, like, to be fully alive. How do I live by the Spirit? Number one, um, I want to suggest start, just start with the sincere desire to submit yourself to the Spirit's leading. Look up here for a second. Isn't it an amazing thought that there is a river that comes from God that is always flowing? It's always flowing. It's continually flowing. Like it's a river of life. Jesus said it can be flowing right in the core of your heart 24-7. And my job is not to get in the way. It's just to stay near it. And that reminder right there forms a new intention in me. I just want to go, Spirit, I want to live this way. Like, I want to submit to you. So that's the starting place where we just go, God, I'm opening right now to your Holy Spirit. Okay? Secondly, we need to develop the, we need to develop the practices of stopping, asking, and listening. I've already touched on this. Uh, but again, if we don't pay attention and we don't listen and we don't pursue, the Holy Spirit is not going to bully you. He's not a bully. He's not going to push you over. Right? So... The spirit is available to whisper thoughts of love and joy and peace and patience every moment of our lives. So there's a positive side to this. He's not going to bully you, but he's there. And as you start to pay attention, you open to this constant source of goodness at the very core of your being that is whispering to you all the fruits of the Holy spirit. Where do you think they come from? From the Holy spirit. (laughs) So as you pay attention to him, he's like actually blowing those things through your spirit Inclining you, giving you desires, like giving you like ideas and creativity towards this, um, and so this rhythm of stop asking and listening would be part of it, right? Um, number three, because we're not very good at this, and we're just starting, right? Um, remember the life-giving quarter second, and this is again where sociology and biology, like so, confirm the word of God. So it turns out that we are creatures of habit. You probably know that. Um, so we have automatic responses that are part of our character that have developed over many years and they're hard to change. Got a witness? Okay. Which means that if you have developed the pattern of non-attentiveness and of anger or of lust or of greed or all these things, guess what's going to come habitually to you? Okay. So it feels almost sometimes so powerful that you almost don't have a choice. Doesn't it sometimes? Like, I, don't, I can't help it. It's just the way I am. Well, so it just so happens um, <laughs> that that's mostly true, <laughs> except for the fact that you have a life-giving quarter-second. So between, between the time that you have an inclination or an impulse and it comes out of your mouth or in your actions, lo and behold, in your biology, you have a life-giving what? Quarter-second. Quarter-second is not very long, but guess what it is? It's long enough. <laughs> it's long enough, if we pay attention, to open to the Holy Spirit. Right? To open to a new source of life and power and intention. Um, and to begin to interrupt. Yeah. So, it's in the scriptures, but it's also in our biology. It's also in the sociological research. Like, we have a life-giving quarter-second. Hallelujah. Okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. We are not, pre-de- we are not, we're not predetermined. To always be like we are, we have we have opportunity for grace. Okay, um, we have to we have to pay attention. Okay, number four, really important. When we blow it and we get out of the flow, guess what happens to the river? It keeps on flowing. The river's always flowing. Like you don't have you know you your sin is powerful and it can blow up a lot of stuff, but it can't blow up God's river. Like it's always flowing. So what does that mean for us? If we find ourselves out of the current, what's the action step? Get back in. So get back in. So, I mean, repentance needs to be frequent in our lives, um, but it needs to be at the speed of life. And that means that means you can spend hours and days like sulking and whatever, or you can get back in the flow. Like you can literally get up, take responsibility restate all the things that are your intention and what's true of you and get back in the river and keep on flowing with the Holy Spirit. Um, this is the way it works, okay? Now, final thought here from John 7. The Spirit flows in, in us in order to flow through us. So the destination of the river at any given point that we step into it is where? Where? It's beyond. It's heading, it's heading into the, the greater river and intentions of God. He's taking us somewhere. So not only does the river come up from upstream, it also is flowing somewhere. And when you get into it, you are taken with Jesus towards his bigger destinations, not only for your life, but for the whole world. And so, and so the point of the Holy Spirit is not just to give us joy, peace, goodness, and all those things. It's to make us conduits of them to make us conduits of his love and channel. And so this relates to our mission, right? The Holy Spirit relates essentially to our mission and to our purpose, okay? Uh, I hope that you leave this morning encouraged. Yeah? Like this is, this is supposed to be one of those moments, like I smack you down and then I lift you up, all right? All right, this is, so, this is supposed to be one of these moments when you leave encouraged because this is incredible destiny, incredible life. There is a river. It flows in you. Amen? Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for, again, the wisdom of your scriptures, of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus, who is both correcting our lives but also training us in righteousness. Thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. May He not be the forgotten God in our lives. May we pay attention. May we listen. May we flow with you. Um, May we have power. In Jesus' name, Uh, amen.